friends, and welcome to We're Already Here, a podcast about celebrating who we are, the highs and lows in our lives, and understanding the story that we've created for ourselves. Today, I am here with Tia. Tia is a spiritual healer, teacher, and medium based out of Chicago. She works to help her clients heal themselves in their relationships and helps them discover and heal their subconscious patterns that might be holding them back. From entrepreneurs, CEOs, and news anchors to doctors, Tia has helped hundreds of women trust themselves, identify subconscious layers, and find more flow and alignment in their lives. Starting her career as a corporate coach, Tia has had quite the interesting story of how she found her way from the corporate world to where she is today. To wrap this all up, Tia also does tarot reading, astrology, and has a keen interest in energetics and human design. So wow, what a mouthful. You do so much. Thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm good, honey. How are you? Are you, <laughs> you seem more excited than I am. And I'm like, all right. I'm so I'm like, I know I'm super excited. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, it's funny as you're reading my thing, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I did do all that. And awesome. I think most of us, and I, and I appreciate what you had shared with me about trying to honor the emotional world of people and the flow mm-hmm. of how things happen and just the ups and the downs. And I'm currently in a down. And I think that a lot of people are as the seasons change and people Mm. are very highly sensitive. And a lot of my people that I help are highly sensitive, friends, family, clients, all the things. And so kind of you, you listing all those things. I'm like, wow, like I've been through a lot, man. Good job. Because for all the things that we think we're not doing enough of, we're actually doing a lot of. For sure. Um, I think that was really cool. And I, I, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. And I think that um, if this can inspire anybody to live their most authentic lives, then that is the only thing I want out of this. So I love that so much. And I'm so happy to hear that. I think like, you're totally right. When you are in a down, it's like so hard to pick your head up from that and like, look around and be like, Oh my gosh, like I've done all these things. Like I have all these things going for me. But like when you're down, it's like emotions are not rational. So it's, it's hard to get yourself out of it through just like intellectualization. A hundred percent. I think we all do that, especially since I have such an interest in psych and I was, I mean, a little bit about how my path started, I think. Yeah, for sure. Me to share. So I studied advertising and I went to U of I and I studied advertising only because I wanted to do all the creative classes and the writing classes and the psych classes. And they allowed you to do all those things because that was part of advertising. Like you have oh, to awesome. do your work. So um, when I finished, I thought that by 30, I would be a CEO of a company. Like that was like the end game for me. I had no other vision. And as I went through my twenties, as so many of us do, mm-hmm. realize what is your life and what's the life that you thought you would have and where they kind of, they don't mesh and where they do mesh. Authenticity is a big part of my journey because I come from a Greek family, just like you do. Yes. That has its own set of expectations and rules. And mm-hmm. my parents were really cool. I was very grateful that I had more of the cooler side of things, um, but you know, there's still that, you know, my, my family is an immigrant family. You want to do well. You don't want to necessarily live up to their expectations. Right. Right. So I started my journey and everything that I thought I would do by the time I'm now 31 
not, not at all. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm so sure. <laughs> and, um, we try to logic our whole life. And I always teach that logic is not the only source. Like, in fact, I think it's the last source and people will oh, fight man. me on this and I don't care but I'm <laughs> for it because I will tell you that. Yeah. I can't wait to dig into that one. <laughs> yeah, everything. I'll tell you this much because if you try to logic your way through life, you will probably be 50 and unhappy. Like Damn. people that I see and they did all the right things, quote unquote, you know, um, and it still didn't get them what they wanted. And what that is, is at the core of every person is they want fulfillment. Mm-hmm. They want fulfillment. Now, some people think, like, well, I want to be successful. Why? Because they think that it's going to bring them fulfillment. Yeah. Why? Because they think it's going to bring them fulfillment. You know, and fulfillment is not just happiness. Fulfillment is like a deep sense of on a soul level, you feel it within your being that you're doing the things that you came here to do. I could not agree more with that. And I think a lot of us are chasing like these external markers of success. And it's because we think it'll solve the actual internal needs that we have. And I feel like you can't identify what those internal needs are if you're not honoring your emotional world. I, I love that verbiage that you used at the beginning. There's internal markers of success, external markers of success. Usually they're, they're not aligned. So like, I totally get that when you're chasing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, you'll perpetually feel unfulfilled. A hundred percent. And I think I'm not saying logic isn't good. We all need to be logical. Sure. Then, sure. I think people over idealize logic as the yeah. way run their lives. And what happens is you say, I did all these right things. Why am I still not happy? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Not that logic is bad or that we demonize it or that we don't use it. Of course we need to use our heads, but it shouldn't be the forefront all the time. And I think that's totally lost. And I think I had to realize it the hard way. And I also continue to realize it because the life that I lead is very untraditional. It is not normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is not the norm. And it's funny because I always say to my people when they're like, Tia, you know, I have the stream and I'll pull cards on it. I'll be like, listen, like it's the right direction. Mm. And they're trying to make sense of it in their heads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, if you ever doubt yourself, just think about me. I'm 31. I'm a tarot reader. Let's talk about that. Like, yeah. Know, yeah. If, yeah. If you know me, I mean, like, you know, it, you, 10 years ago, you probably would have never said that, even though I was always spiritual. People know. I was sure. Weird. Sure. But now actually having it be like at the forefront of what you do, the forefront of what I do. I, 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 I connect with people on a soul level every single day. That's what I do. Oh my gosh. Are you exhausted? <laughs> you know what? To be honest. Yeah. But you know, I yeah. love it. And, um, I love my people. I, I love them. I don't know how to explain it. Like I, I just, I will not stop a reading until I need to. So if I book somebody for an hour, which is the normal, it's sure. usually enough time, but I, that space is for them. And mm-hmm. I like to, I like to indulge with their senses with them. Meaning sure. sure, I think everybody needs more support than they, they lead on, you know? And I think that most people have a whole inner world that nobody talks about and yes. And that's where I love your podcast. I think you're trying to expose most of this, right? And and expose that people are much deeper than what they seem to be. And, Absolutely. And I think that um, what I love, as much as it exhausts me, it also gives me life because it's like, wow, like this is the world that I, I dream of. Absolutely. So, and yeah. that's where we're so aligned to. 
our missions are so similar and we're just going about it from different directions. You mentioned something online of encouraging people to live their most authentic lives. And that's absolutely what I'm trying to do here too, is if all of us heard people having vulnerable conversations more, we would feel more comfortable doing it ourselves. The world would be a better place if we all had these conversations more regularly and felt more comfortable exposing that inner emotional part of us. We live in a society that's not community driven anymore. It's a, it's very individualistic. We're lacking those support systems that you mentioned. We're very closed off. We have one, two friends who know our true selves and everyone else is blocked off from that. But isn't that like the beauty of the human experience? You, you want to show up as your true self or we're, we all feel at home in our true selves. Like, why are we only letting one to two people out of billions into that? I mean, I totally agree. And I think, listen, there is a level of personality that comes here and deflection and ego awareness. There's a whole thing around. Sure, that. sure. People don't expose themselves because it's safer not to. Mm. And it's not oh, yeah. trying to distance. I think most people, I'll give you an example. I had a client, she's wonderful and I adore her, but I could just see it and feel it in our session. I wasn't talking to her. I was talking mm. to a figment of her. I, I mean, I was talking to just her personality. I was talking to her body and I could just sense it. And so I asked her the questions for her to come back into her body and like talk to me as who she is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which to me means on a soul level, you're recognizing your emotional pain and your emotional joy. You're, you're, there's both. You can, you're present, you know? So I literally, I was just like, okay, I'm like, you're, you're giving me these answers that are like, not real answers. And that's what bothers me um, is that people don't even recognize it. So that's where I try. So in that moment, we're talking, I'm asking her these questions and she just starts, she bursts into tears. I'm like, there we are. All right. I'm like, we're in business. And damn, like, Tia, that's exactly what I've been trying to get to. And I don't know how to, I'm like, then you need to stop stopping yourself. Yeah. Because that's what people do. That's why you're saying, you know, we don't connect and we're a very individualistic society. It's the truth because People are afraid of that deeper connection. They're afraid yeah. to face themselves first. Then they're afraid to face the other. So if they can't face themselves, where is the connection really? Sure. I mean, I we're talking about this because I just want to, it just timing. Yes. My best friend lives out in New York where you live. Okay. And she actually is in South Carolina visiting a friend. Okay. And, um, you know, it's this ongoing joke between me and my other friend, because when I first met this girl, she's visiting, you know, I couldn't. Like, it's not that I didn't like her. They say it's that I didn't like her. It's not that. I, was, <laughs> I couldn't get a pulse on her. Okay. Every time she was saying something, I could feel the lie. But as an sure. empath, and I'm a medium, I literally can feel all. The, you could be saying, I love you, Tia. And if I don't know, I'll know it's not true. Yeah. Or, yeah. You're freaking ugly. And you may think I'm so beautiful. I'll still know. It's so like, I could just feel it. So she yeah. us, and I'm like, who is this person? Cause I couldn't connect it. And, and so I didn't ever, I don't think I disliked her. I just didn't know her because she wasn't showing up. Her representative mm. was showing up. Sure. And oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> her representative, whoever that was. And so my friend's like, well, I don't get it. Like she's so friendly. I'm like, she's in a lot of pain. And, and, and yeah. why don't you see it? It's the same thing that you told me when we started, you know, I said, I'm down. Like I am in a down period of my life. Not because yeah. anything's bad, but because I'm recognizing my emotional essence is, is, is in that state, you know? Sure. Sure. So I think that to connect more people need to honor the truth and the truth yeah. is what it is now. Oh my I gosh. 
Yeah. So, so, so much to go off from there. So from the top, people don't expose themselves because it's safer. I was just thinking about this the other day. When I think about all the times in my life personally that I've been vulnerable and it's gone wrong. Yeah, it hurts a ton in the moment, but I'm over it. You know, looking back several years later, I'm fine now. But when I look at all the times I've been vulnerable and it's gone right, it's some of my most beautiful friendships and relationships, even ex-boyfriends that I was really vulnerable with. It deepened our relationship. It created so many beautiful moments. And even though that relationship didn't work out, what I learned from those experiences, the memories of those experiences are so good. If you're looking at it from a net point of view, it's net positive. Yes. Yes. I love that's a great way of explaining it. It is net positive. And I live with my heart on my sleeves. I just generally, this is how I exist. So it's really same. Weird. I'm a total overshare. Total yeah, overshare. Yeah. <laughs> my boyfriend's always like, I mean, if you lied, like I would know because like you just never, like you just say too much the opposite. Oh, it's I'm, like, I'm the worst liar. Oh, the worst. Oh, the, like, but here are all my feelings. What are you going to do with them? Right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hello everyone. I am me and I am here. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, like I feel like this and I feel like, damn, it's okay. Okay. Like, and he's great because he takes it. Right. And I think he appreciates that because also as people like me and you, who maybe are oversharers, we yeah. undersharers. Do we? Oh, why? Because, and it's always in a sense of, you know, I feel like souls need each other in a certain way. Mm. And what I also, I often find is I attract people who have a hard time speaking up and sharing who they are. And Mm. they're so wonderful, genuine people, but they just are not going to talk about it. You know, unless Hmm. I ask them questions, I'm not talking clients. I'm talking just like friends, people. Yeah. 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 Even my own partner, you know, George is wonderful and expressive and he can make the whole room laugh. But there's moments where he does struggle to open up, just like I think mm. a lot of guys do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's been here along the journey. The last three and a half years when I went from being a trying to make it in the makeup world as an entrepreneur, realizing mm-hmm. I'm really unfulfilled. Why am I doing this? Just because I'm good at makeup doesn't mean I want to do this for work my the rest of my life. Sure. Right? To me doing this work and you know, him having to explain that his girlfriend's a tear reader. But anyway, <laughs> uh, like. No, and instead, it doesn't have to be your closest person, but I think there's a balance, you know, and especially the more you live into your authenticity, that's what an overshare usually is. Somebody who mm-hmm. is okay with being exposed for, yeah. the, for bad and for good. Sure. Generally okay with it. Even and like, well, you'll have moments of nervousness, but people that are living their truth tend to attract people who want to live their truth. That makes sense. And I feel like for me personally, like my decisions to be this outward of a person, I mean, I haven't always been like this. I mean, all of us are are insecure, but maybe end of college, I was kind of to the point where I was like, listen, I have so many people around me and it's, it's kind of like an energy suck. I'm just going to be my authentic self and whoever sticks is my friend. If people are only staying around me because I'm putting up this front of something that I am, then like maybe I don't actually need these people in my life. And it was more so like, I'm just going to be my whole self. And if this is your vibe, awesome, like welcome. And if it's not also fine, it's okay. Like we don't need to be at that level of relationship with each other. That, I mean, I'm glad you learned it in your early twenties. I think it could take people a whole lifetime because it's hard. You know, you want to be liked. People want to be oh, liked. Of course, of I course. Like, but then I'm like, these aren't even your people. 
to like you. Like it, does, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. And like you said, it's okay. You know, and I think you accepting yourself in any environment, that's also what confidence is. You know, when people are living their mm-hmm. truth, they kind of in, in society terms, they call that confidence. Yeah. Right. But yeah. there's also pseudo confidence. Sure. Like, okay, I just, I'm going to wear my best outfit. I'm going to do my hair and I'm going to, you know, and you're walking around and like, then you see those people and you're like, are they confident or are they cocky? So there is. Yeah. I feel like men fall in that trap so often, probably like more than women where it's like, you have this pseudo confidence, but then it's like, you make a joke, like I can do more pushups than you. And it's a meltdown, you know, it's it's like men who like present really confident. And then they're just like really insecure about like themselves. I, it's so funny. And especially if you are a stronger woman, which I think stronger women just tend to be people that are living who they are. Mm. And a lot of, I hate to say this because society doesn't allow men and now it's waking up slowly, but Mm -hmm. the masculine is struggling and the masculine is still looking at how it can show up without necessarily being aggressive and without being overly one way or the other. It's like sure. a healthy feminine and a healthy masculine. So mm. I just feel like that's so interesting that you said that. It's so true. It's so true. No, for sure. So I am so hyper interested in romantic relationships. What do you find are the most common issues people have in their relationships, in their romantic relationships? The most common I generally attract a demographic that's already in a relationship um, or just got out of one. Okay. Okay. I'm always kind of the person in transition, whether it's forced or not, like it just happens. The universe brings me people that kind of need me in that moment. Right. Sure. Sure. The common thing that I do see in relationships is that people, there's a couple things. They don't know themselves enough to be honest with each other. It's like really this lack of awareness. People, again, they want to stay hidden because the person mm. that you're meant to be the most vulnerable with, that's why you want a romantic relationship, I think. I think that's part of it. I think, um, yeah. Because you want somebody to connect on that deeper level. That's that vulnerability piece. As much as we, we were scared of it, we seek it. But our deepest relationships have tr- triggers. So few of them. Your relationship, even if it's healthy, will trigger a fear of loss, a fear of abandonment, a fear of distance, a fear of betrayal. There's all these fears that come up and I see it very consciously, even in healthy relationships. And I'll give you an example personally, because I think people need to know that a lot of the work I do is because a lot of the work that I've done. Mm. So me and George, my partner, my current partner, wonderful man, never expected to be with him. Our story's a little nuts. He's been my spiritual teacher in a big part of my life because a lot of my triggers and my fears came up dating him. Not to the mm. point where I was uncomfortable every day, right? Because here's the thing that people don't understand. You could be dating somebody and if they're triggering you all the time, that, that's where it gets toxic. Meaning mm-hmm. your wounds and their wounds are really clashing. Sure. find that even ground, okay? Okay. But when somebody triggers you, not even them as a person, but like just your dynamic, yeah, you are meant to use that relationship as a foundation for your own personal growth. Relationships are just getting us back to ourselves, period. That is the, especially in the spiritual community, a lot of us will be believe we are not here to play. We are here to learn and to grow and to play. So mm. there is a part of like relationships can be really satisfying, but the most common thing I see is people work through their own personal triggers within the dynamic, fear mm. of betrayal, fear of loss, fear of distance, abandonment, And again, it's funny because they always say, oh, look back at your childhood. Yes, sometimes it's that. But in the work I do, it's not just childhood. I also see past life. Mm. So if somebody is repeating patterns in this lifetime, I'll see it. 
And that's what's also affecting their relationships. That's so interesting. I think the difference between a therapy session and going to a healer, which is why I'm a healer. I'm Ooh, yes. I'm not a therapist. I will recommend you to therapists and to do therapy if I feel like you may need it. But the difference is that I create a spiritual, I basically, we call it a vortex, but basically it's like a spiritual protection and energy force around the session. I do a prayer. I call Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel. And I do a prayer that whatever this person needs, it comes through for them. And what no longer serves them is transmuted. Meaning like Mm -hmm. it almost clears as much as it can. They still have work to do, right? I give them homework. That's kind of what I do. I give homework and make sure that you can work through some of it on another level. But the difference is that we can recognize the patterns and still repeat them. Yes, 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 yes. Right. So CBT, so therapy, traditional therapy in some way, you can recognize the patterns and then still a week later be like, yeah, I still went out with them again. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) They can recognize it and still do it. So really, what is it? that's blocking. And for on this, in this side of the world, the healer's world, it's about triggering that subconscious layer. Mm. And for some that subconscious layer, it doesn't just mean from this lifetime. Mm. It means from other lifetimes. That is so interesting. Our triggers are not accidents. Our triggers are very personal to us. Okay. For my own benefit, can you talk about (laughs) past lifetimes? Like that's just something I'm so unaware of. Like, how does, how does it work? Like, what are they? Like, I don't know anything about it. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, no. no. I live in this world. So I'm like, yeah, you know, past lives, blah, blah, blah. No, please. I, uh, this is a learning experience for me every day. I love it. Okay. Well, past lives. So there are people that believe in reincarnation. Okay. I am one of those people, right? Buddhists believe in reincarnation. A lot of Eastern religions believe in reincarnation. Reincarnation is the idea that the soul returns to the earth plane, to the earth realm. Okay. Um, And that our soul lives on endlessly. Um, We don't believe in a heaven or a hell. It's not what we believe in. There is something that we call the astral plane, which is kind of when we reincarnate. Okay. You got to go to a place. You can call it heaven if you want to call it heaven, but it's basically a place that's not physically here. It's where Mm -hmm. the soul goes. Okay. And on that soul level, we kind of see what our lifetime brought us. We reconnect to loved ones, people that we know, soul family is what we call that in our spiritual world, soul family, soul mates. That's where soul mates comes from, soul family. Okay. And um, we also create this sense of, well, what do we want to do next? Do we want to reincarnate? Are we ready to reincarnate? Um, what lessons am I here to learn again? And so we continue to do this process until we come into enlightenment, right? So Buddhists mm-hmm. talk about this, but for sake of ease. The idea is that our past lives are still part of our soul memory. So for example, in this lifetime, I'll give you me as an example. How about this? Okay. Great. Yeah. That'll be great. So this will be easy for you. I have a fear of loss. It's a very deep fear of loss. Very deep. I have never lost somebody in my life. Like Mm -hmm. in this lifetime, at least. Like I've never, nobody knock on wood now, like now I'm like, you know, because this is my big fear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I had, like, you'd think that I'd have this fear of loss of like growing up, like my parents passed away. My, you know, I had some traumatic, nothing, 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 nothing. Like I had a loving, happy family. I had had a great extended family, all the things, right? Yeah. Um, And even now, 31 years old, like knock on wood, I have not experienced that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So- very fortunate in that way. But the fear of loss does not come from this lifetime. My -hmm. fear of loss was created in previous lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some of them. 
Okay. And I've experienced, we experienced some of them and you can, I can talk about that too. You could do it through past life regression. You could be led into it. You could do it through meditation. There's all sorts of ways to go through it. Yeah. And I'll give you a, a most recent example. Why I'm down right now. And I'll share this with you and I'll share with your, your followers and your people, because I think it's so important to recognize about a week ago, my godfather, who's like my best friend, he helped raise me. I'm very, very close to my godfather. He got into a car accident on the highway. And he was okay. By the grace of God, nothing happened to him, but it was really bad accident. Meaning somebody hit him and his car spun and faced the direction of oncoming traffic on the highway at 12 o'clock at night, pouring rain. And it was still a lot of people on the highway because it was like, it was like a nice day in Chicago. So people were out. Okay. Right away. He started flashing his blinkers and all this, there were six semi trucks coming his direction in that moment, and they all passed him. Okay. Once they left, he was able to turn around, meet the people that hit him on the side, exchange information, blah. He was okay. Okay. Thank God. I thank my angels Lily every day for it. Now, when I heard about this story the next day, when I heard my, my dad told me, you know, your godfather got into an accident. Here it is. He's fine though. And then hearing my godfather talk to me about it, right? And tell me what happened in the moment. I was just like, I didn't realize it. Right. Cause you don't consciously, when you have these deep wounds that come from this life and previous lives, it doesn't hit you in the moment that something's bothering you. You know, something's mm-hmm. bothering you. Like, oh, wow, yeah, that's so yeah, yeah. That's but it, it takes a process. So Oh, definitely. That triggered my fear of loss, which is the wound that I have been working through in this lifetime that comes from previous lifetimes for me. Okay. Yeah. Nothing happened to my godfather, but why I am down is because I am still processing that fear. And it's, and when you, when that wound is re-triggered, you're not just processing what happened in that moment. You are processing what has happened in the past that has also triggered that fear of loss. Sure, sure. It's not conscious. I can't create logic around this, right? Yeah. It is a yeah. deeply personal and emotional experience. And some of us actually dissociate, which I did. And I went to yeah. acupuncture and she was like, dude, I can't even feel you. And then yeah. boom, I felt myself come back in and she was like, whoa. And we both felt it at the same time. Yeah. Because so many humans, so many people, whether you're spiritual or not, this has nothing to do with it. You dissociate. It's a cycle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is actually spiritual, right? Psychology, Greek word, psychologia. It's yeah. literally the study of the soul. The psyche, right? yeah. For, for non-Greek listeners, psyche means yeah. soul in Greek. Yes. Yeah, so psychology is not just the mind. Psychology is the spirit. So past lives, it is my belief that everybody has past lives. I've seen them for other people. I've seen them for myself. It's a lot of the work that I do. Yeah. Um. So you don't have to believe it, right? Like every, you could be a Christian reincarnationist, yeah, yeah, a, a Buddhist reincarnationist. You'd be Christian and believe in Jesus and God and all things, and still believe in reincarnation. Sure. So it yeah. really is, or you could just not believe it at all. But this is like my beliefs. When it, oh, for it sure, because I do hear it a lot, and I was like, I just got to figure out what this is. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad you asked. Yes, past life regression is great for healing. Yes, that's so cool, and to your point where the triggering event happened and then it took a while to process and it like took a while to come to terms with what you were feeling. That is so much how I operate where like a triggering event will happen. And I always say, I never get mad about anything in the moment ever. 
I get mad about things a week later and it upsets everyone in my life who I get mad at. They're like, why didn't you just bring it up when it happened? I was like, because I wasn't mad when it happened. I'm mad now. (laughs) It took you a second to fit. See, I'm, we're so the same in that way. A hundred percent. I had that too. It was with George. Like he did nothing wrong, but I something pissed me off. And in the moment I was fine. And like an hour later, I called him like, you know, apologize for making me very uncomfortable <laughs> right 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 and he's like I don't even remember what happened right no I feel you 100% that is so funny yeah. one thing you've brought up a bunch is uncovering subconscious patterns can you provide a little bit more detail around that yeah subconscious patterns unworthiness is a big one So if somebody is dealing through a pattern of unworthiness, they will do things to consistently try to prove their worth because they Mm -hmm. want to be validated and they want to feel more worthy or they think that by getting that validation, they're going to be more worthy. For example, somebody who um, overcommits to plans all the time or says yes to people when they really mean no, they don't want to go, they don't want to do it, but they always find themselves being the person that needs to be the helper or needs to be the one that has to take on this responsibility. When they don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unworthiness. It's like, well, what are you trying to prove? Yeah, yeah. Why, why are you saying yes to this? Because if you don't, you'll be a bad friend. Sure. If you don't, you're not a good partner. If you don't do this, then you'll be abandoned, right? Yeah, yeah. So all of that, right? That's a pattern. Um, another pattern is people getting into the same kind of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unavailable men is a big thing. Dating unavailable men, huge thing. Unavailable means usually emotionally unavailable. Somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. Unable to be vulnerable with another person. Yeah. And is unwilling to um, let somebody in, right? Sure. You know, I'll have people be like, well, I don't know why I attracted them again. And I'll straight up tell them this is a pattern. If I see it, right? I don't just like talk out of my butt. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I have to like see what's going on. Oftentimes it's because they have some distancing with their father or their mother, that pattern. Okay. I can also see past life if it ever happened also in the past life and they're repeating it in this lifetime with their parents to allow, to learn it so mm-hmm. they can feel it. That's what they can keep repeating it. So but, the, the unemotionally available men pattern. Yeah. I <laughs> Lots of us girls have been through it or going through it, et cetera. So, you know, you asking for friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> How do people fix that? <laughs> like friend to friend, like just asking for a friend. Like, I just want to know, like, not because I've ever been through this. Right. Not because I've ever attacked an unavailable man in my life, but. <laughs> yeah, everybody's available, right? That's what so, you're saying. Anyway. Right. Exactly. That's why I'm so single. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how does, how does someone fix this? <laughs> um, how do I fix this? Well, we need to go back to the, the reason why that pattern started to exist. So that's a lot of the work that I do. So it'll come up like if the universe feels something is holding you back. Like, so example, you're telling me, you come to me, T, I want to find love. Mm-hmm. What's holding me back? What's going on? Right. I can take a look or to be honest, people don't even ask me that. I will see it and be like, you want a relationship, dude, the last three, you, you literally have been dating somebody who said straight up, you can, they cannot be with you. Mm. So the way that you fix it is you recognize the pattern. Do I have this pattern? First of all, yes. I attract an available man. What about that attracts me to them? Mm-hmm. How does that make me feel? So when I'm attracting an available man, do I feel like now I'm their healer? I'm their fixer. I'm their helper. Mm-hmm. Do I feel useful. Do I feel available? Do I feel more like oh, I'm doing a good thing? Interesting. Thing, if you're, for example, your parents were unavailable, it may just feel familiar to you to mm-hmm. be somebody who's not emotionally available. It could be sure. a pattern repeating because it's very familiar. And you're meant to heal that. 
but it'll feel familiar, but it's going to be fucking uncomfortable. Usually a pattern that's not good for you is something that is consistently showing up and mm-hmm. consistently uncomfortable to the point yeah. you and him are fighting. You guys can't see eye to eye. You're stressing about things that really like a part of you is like, why am I even dealing with this? It's yeah. Does that make sense? It's that makes like, total sense. So maybe it's not you. Maybe it's also another lesson. I always say like life just happens. Like yeah. I, a lot of people say, well, life is ha- things happen for a reason. I don't believe things happen for a reason. Oh, I totally I, agree. I think <laughs> happen and you got to find the reason. <laughs> you got to find the A hundred percent. I am to- totally ascribed to that. Yeah. It's like not everything is because somebody's punishing you or the universe wants to shove you or no, no, no. There's not, there's, there's no punishing God in the world I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is that it's like, well, what was I meant to learn from this? So if you find yourself going through that, they're saying all the right things and all that, guess what? Your lesson is time. It's <laughs> also recognizing that not everything that shines is gold. Mm-hmm. Because on paper, somebody can be a certain way. And then when you get to know them, you got to get to know the shadow side of them, which is the not so cute, sexy stuff and the also cute, sexy stuff. Yeah. So the way that you know who's worth that is the emotional depth and connection. Mm. talk about because there's different types of those but does that make sense that makes total sense and I'm a huge on paper person do you want my opinion on that yeah throw away your list man (laughs) it's so hard it makes you feel safe people have lists for what they want in life because it makes them feel secure and in control here's the newsflash nothing in life is secure nothing zero nothing you have nothing that's in control nothing even if you think you're in control you're not you can do certain things to help yourself and help your environment, right? Mm-hmm. Help. But to control is such a false reality. And I think mm-hmm. that when we do lists for men that we love and want to be with, right? The list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's going to have a million dollars in his 401k. And if he's going to go like going to the beach, like I like going to the beach. And sure, sure. Really handsome. My mom's going to like him. Okay, awesome. Those aren't bad things to want. I'm not saying that those are bad things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need the feelings and you're a Scorpio. You for sure need the feelings. You was lying to yourself. And the reason, you know what I mean? Like you like lying to yourself because you're lying to yourself. Because Scorpio yeah. need they need that deeper connection. They fear it the most because depth is a scary thing for you. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why you do this podcast, because it the one thing that you're meant to learn this lifetime, you tend to share about as you learn it. Oh, interesting. And I actually feel like that's so true because one of my friends who I was interviewing on here was like, you know, Rhoda, that was like a really scary thing for me. And like, I feel like you're not sharing enough of yourself on this podcast. And I was like, oh, you're right. So, wow. So there you go. So the truth is, is that you can share as much as you feel comfortable, but that also goes in your relationships. You can find a man that is like good, but that necessarily doesn't mean it's good enough for you. Mm. My dad said this to me years ago and I loved it. So we're talking about men and dating. And I was like, maybe like 22 years old. Okay. Sure. Sure. He's like, he's like, just cause a guy is good. You don't have to be with them. All the bad guys are in jail. There's plenty of good guys. You want to find a good guy? There's plenty of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so good. Like, cause I'd be like, Oh, he's a good guy. He's like, I don't care if he's a good guy. The other ones are in jail and we're sure as hell not going that route. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, so you need to find somebody who is like your, your person. And I, I don't believe in the one. I believe we have many soulmates and based on your own growth and your own intuitive sense, you realize the journey with them and what they bring to you and how you guys grow together. And sometimes you stop growing and sometimes you're meant Mm. to be somebody else. Like it's fine. But that guy where you're like, (gasps) 
he's like good and he's great and whatever. You can't fake your feelings. That's very Don't true. Don't be to date. It doesn't work. <laughs> I'm such a heady person. Even my career path, I chose finance. So I was like, where can I make the most amount of money with the least amount of schooling? Finance. It could have been anything. It could have been a chef and I would have gotten good at cooking. Like it could have been, it could have been a teacher and I would have gotten good at, good at teaching. You know, like anything where I would have done least amount of school, most amount of money is the path I would have gone. I love it. Wow. Like you're, my mom's a Scorpio. She'd love you. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she's kind of the same, like to her, like, yeah. like, I mean, I mean, to be honest, though, like she studied teaching and then now she's an entrepreneur. She's been an entrepreneur for her life for many, many years. Oh, man. Good for her. The thing is that didn't come just, you know, she had to kind of do the things that made sense. And I think my mom, the universe has led her on those lessons. And I mm. think that that's going to happen to you, too. It happens to all of us where we think because our ego is a thing that leads us. Right. Sure. Like, but the truth is, is that our spirit is what we have to pay attention to because that's where you're going to find your fulfillment. Now, you could be really happy in finance. Awesome. Two in one. Right. Everybody has purpose in this lifetime. And it doesn't mean that your day job has to be your purpose, but if you could monetize your passion and be happy doing it, we're in that world right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. We'll see where this podcast goes. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Okay. Go with your feelings. There's a lesson for you in those. People could be right on paper. doesn't mean they're right for you. Let's see how many more times I have to learn that yeah, before I actually do it. <laughs> if you're like, you're like, I'm still doing this. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay. So to wrap up this conversation, how has your work permeated into your own relationships? Ooh, well, my work started from my own relationships. Mm. So I was doing tarot and stuff on the side for fun. And like, then the pandemic hit and everybody started referring me to people and my friends, my relationships is what got me all my clientele. In fact, to this day, I don't really advertise what I do. Like I have an Instagram page and I have a website. Yeah. It's my relationships with my people that has given me my clientele essentially. So, um, the only thing as far as like it permeating through my work, like my boyfriend knows, like, okay, when Tia's done a few readings, she needs to go take a walk. She needs to clear her space. We got a sage. We got a, sure. I mean, like all of that, um, the work I do makes me incredibly happy. So that has been great. And that helps your relationship because when you're happy in your work, it tends to spread into your partnerships. My friends, my close friends have always known I'm kind of weird and intuitive, but they, I didn't even know to the extent they like, we just, I always thought that everybody was like me. What I see and feel, I think everybody sees and feels. It's only recently that I'm realizing, oh, no, that's not the truth. It, it makes sense for them that the work that I do, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Permeated has oh, so been a good thing for me. I, I mean, I don't, I mean, probably energetically, sometimes I get zapped and, you know, oh, I'm I don't sure. know the shit that I'm processing sometimes is mine or somebody else's. So I got oh, to do sage. I got, I bought like, I went to the expo yesterday and I bought candles to like mm. keep the space clear. So it's wow. been not bad. That's so interesting. I love your point on like realizing now that not everyone's experience through life and like not everyone's brain works like yours. Cause that's a big lesson that I had to learn like this mm-hmm. summer is like my brain is not the blueprint for all human thoughts. What just because I think about things in a very like A to Z sequential, very logical way, like other people don't drive their decisions the way I do. And that's like actually a much harder thing to grapple with than I thought it would be. I'm like, but it just makes sense. Like, why aren't you doing the thing that makes sense? And it's like, because sense is subjective. <laughs> like <sighs> I told you my Scorpio queen. Uh, <laughs> 
it does. I mean, I, and I know this because my mom is the same way. Like she, like, I think I chose my mother to teach her the, the, the lesson around and Maybe you chose me for this podcast. Cause here I'll teach you. Oh, maybe that doesn't make sense. You yeah. want to watch it on the other side because it just doesn't make sense. You can logic your way through certain things, excuse me, where to invest your money. All sure. right. But that's also the study of patterns. Okay. Yeah. Gives to logic and then also fuels intuitive sense. Yeah. So it's not just logic. It's a combination. The other thing I will share with you is that I do human design and human design is a esoteric system. That's like based in astrology, Kabbalah, I Ching. And it shows you that our, the way that you're meant to make decisions for everyone is different. Mm. The way that people operate energetically, very, very, very different. Nobody is the same. And guess what? It really helps you see people. Yeah. So for example, and I'm like, I'm talking about my best friend again. She lives in New York. She's great. She's super freaking talented. Um, great writer, great like actress, all the things. Like she could be anything. Okay. And after I learned her human design, I'm like, no wonder every time I'm like, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? She's like, no. And I like, she's like, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, because on a soul level, like, you know, you, you, yeah, yeah. you that, you know, you have to know, and I'm going to work with you on this Rhoda, because you need to figure out if it's your, like, you can't always leave with your mind. It will no, not you're right. Be you're right. Best place. That's why they say follow your heart. They don't say that for jokes because we believe the soul lives in the heart. Yeah. Sit with your feelings and face them. You know, most of us are just afraid. And so you see a lot of the reactivity right now, especially with all the COVID stuff. And you're like, why is that person so mean? Why they're reacting out of something that gives them fear. Yeah. It's not necessarily conscious. It's subconscious. Yeah. When people are not reactive, usually they don't have a wound around it. When they're reactive, there's a wound around it. I think that people are so afraid to seem vulnerable. Like we talked about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you can't because vulnerability is the juice of life. It's the truth mm. of life. It's who you are. And when you do expose who you are, you have a big fear of rejection. So that could also be one of your fears is the rejection. I also wanted to give you permission because you said I lead so much with logic and human design is like the art of no logic. The art of not no logic. It's the art of trusting yourself and your body, not so much your mind and your thoughts, because mm. if everything was that, then every thought that we'd have would mean something. And that's not true. Logic right. You know what oh, I'm yeah. Yeah. So I just really want to, and I also think that's a little bit of angst. Like you have an anxious personality. I see a little bit, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Me too. Um, but it's really sitting into your, it's almost staying grounded. We call this and living from groundedness, meaning like, do I really want to talk to that person? Or am I trying to force this? Do I really mm. want to go on this date? Or am I trying to force this? Is this date something that I'm actually emotionally ready for? Or am I pushing myself to date so I can see if I'm emotionally ready? Sure. What I can see here is you're not fully emotionally ready to be in a relationship. You want one logically, but emotionally not so ready. And you may meet somebody (laughs) I know who's going to help you with that emotional world. Like our relationships, you don't have to be perfect to be in a relationship. In fact, you're meant to be very imperfect and then learn about yourself in a relationship. But the same things will come up relationship after relationship. If you keep not facing yourself. The universe is like going to show you somebody in a different pair of pants. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah that's remember so funny. There's a different pair of pants. Boom. And that's why they say a lot of people that could my love of my life with somebody I really didn't expect. Guess what? Usually it's because you've outworked that pattern. You have to make it intentional. You know, people have a list. Instead of making a list of what you want, make a list of what you want to feel. If you want somebody who's rich, 
financially in that way, at least I want to feel financially secure. What? Cause you have to also question yourself. Why do I want somebody who's rich? Yeah. Just cause everybody thinks that's cool and stuff. That's not always the greatest thing. I have dated very wealthy men. It is not the sexiest thing. Guess what? The minute I started dating George, I was like, universe, you are funny. George is not the guy on paper, but I had written the list of feelings before I met George unknowingly. Like I wasn't trying to look for a guy, but I was just trying to feel like I was actually in a, an emotional state of my life. And so I had written all my feelings down. And then I didn't know I did that until I was dating Georgia year two. And I found that notebook that I had mine in. What was, what was on your list? Like that you can remember? I'm sure I have the notebook somewhere. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel secure with a person. I wanted to feel like they blended in with my life and my family, but there were just all these specifics. I wanted, I wanted a spiritual connection, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. Sure enough, the way that me and George met was crazy. But what I'm saying is like on paper, no. And in fact, like we were having this conversation last night at a bonfire with his buddy and we're talking about high risk relationships, right? So Mm. I was kind of, I'm like weird where I like ask questions like, would you ever date somebody who's this and this, this, but you're in love with them or they have like some crazy disease and or cancer or something, but you love them so much, would you still marry them? Like I actually see where people are at. Not because I think there's one that's right or wrong because for sure. I want people to start living from the heart, you know? Yeah. So I just ask, and we're all talking. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, if I just look at George as for what I saw on paper, to me, it's high risk. Okay. He's older than me. That's a higher risk. Sure. In some cases, right. You never know when people are going to pass and all those things. Sure, but sure. All these things, like at the end of the day, you you have to understand your values and how to lead into it. What I wrote on the list had everything to do with what I valued, my heart, mm-hmm. what I value. I value somebody who's a loving, kind person. I value somebody who doesn't need to compete with me. I value somebody. Who wow. That's a good one. Doesn't need to compete with me. I value somebody who lets me be who I am because I am a freedom seeker and I need to move and travel and do the things I need to do without asking you. Do I yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, hey, can I go to San Diego for the weekend next week by myself? He's like, why would I tell you no? That's the answer I want. You yeah. Know, I want to feel free in my relationship. I want to feel as free as I do secure. Mm. Okay. I have a really hard time with somebody saying like, the other day, George randomly said this to a friend. Oh, T is my other half. Like he was just saying it casually. Sure. I hate- I'm not yeah. into the whole other half thing. I don't believe that. So for me, it's we're two people. I also don't like that. I'm like, I'm whole. I don't need you. <laughs> but here's the thing. For you, it comes from a place of how dare you. For me, it comes from a place of we come to this relationship together to be stronger, mm. not so that we have a weak point. Although we all do have weak points. In the other sure, person. sure. But no, it's not that you don't need. And stop saying that. You do I know. Somebody, you know yeah, I'm you're wrong. right. You're right. <laughs> Me and you are the same. I'm talking to myself six years ago. We are the same. I know a lot of women who are strong feel like, fuck you. I got everything I need. We still need love and emotion. Yeah, we do. And I, and, and if we're blessed to have that experience, that's why I say even George having that much of an age gap with me, you know, at the end of the day, like I always go back to what do I value? I value love. And that's what he gives me. Mm. And I'm not going to shoo it away when it comes. So you can't shoo away love if it doesn't come in a package that makes sense to you. You need to embrace it for what it is and hope it lives out as long as it does. Sure. That's the thing. People shoo away situations that they're like, I would never date somebody who's shorter than me. Me and George are the same height. Yeah. I'm five foot four. Okay. He'll tell you he's five foot six. 
<laughs> his driver's license says five foot six. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I don't care about that. But mind you, my, my best friend who's much taller than me, she'd always be like, well, I need to have a tall guy because she's so attracted to that. I get it. Yeah. What if he, what if you're, what if your dream person, the person that you're so in love with her is five, is five ten and you're five eleven? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like stop yeah. this in a shoebox and let it just be open. Yeah. I get very irritated with my friends where they're like, uh, like they'll like write off a guy because he's like losing his hair. I'm like, your husband's going to eventually lose his hair. What's the difference if it happens now or in five years? Like, <laughs> well, that's, well, that's the other thing. It's like a hundred percent, but here's the thing. Again, what do you value? Do you really value good hair? Because I fucking love good hair. But let me tell you, does that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or the height thing. I'm like, when you are giving birth to your first child and you have a man standing next to you, the love of your life, you're not going to care whether he's five ten or six two. Like you won't care. <laughs> like that is a good, that's exact. That's again, it's seeing it from a higher perspective and not seeing it from just like baseline. And sometimes it's hard because we're human. You know, I, you know, I'm at this weird stage in my life. You're not here yet and you will get here. And I'm excited for you because it's kind of a weird place to be scary as well, but it's interesting where I am leaving behind my old life. Cause I'm 31 on my twenties and all the single times and the fun times and my sporadic trips to New York to visit my best friend, which I will still keep doing. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. But, right. Okay. To now being still in a serious relationship. And now we're heading towards like marriage, buying a house, kids. And I'm in this really weird transitional time where I'm scared. Mm. I'm scared because I love my life as it is. I love all my life. I love all the fucking good, the bad, and in between the nights I cried, pissed drunk. I love all that. I like had the best time I had. I really, for all the that happened in my twenties, it was awesome. Mm. To now being like, well, what is this going to look like? And so we all go through these like transitional things. It's actually what I help a lot of my clients with. And I go through it myself, but it's about your values. What do you value? And I thought I valued a lot of things. Shit. What I thought I valued at 25 is not what I actually valued. Yeah. They're so conditioned. Well, that's the other thing that like scares me too. At 25, you don't value the same things at 30. I could pick someone now who like makes you feel all these wonderful things right now. And then- Maybe that like changes when I'm 30. Like, I don't know. So, might. Yeah, might. Might, but here, like, let me tell you something. I also feel like you're not meant to just pick somebody and be like, you are my husband. You grow into that feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Draw, listen, because I believe in, I mean, I, I teach soulmate love. So the idea is that you're connected to soul for a reason. You're meant to learn and grow with them for as much time as it is and whatever, you know, and see where else it goes. But I think that love is a conscious choice. So being married is a conscious daily decision. Just so you know, mm. this is bullshit. This whole world that teaches that you need to stay married for the rest of your life. That does, that's not like normal. I always say this when I get married, me and George, the way that we want to do it is a ceremony of love. Like, I don't even know if we're going to get like married on papers type of marriage. Okay. Sure. I'm not going to say I do. And I promise for the rest of my life. What I say is I do. And I promise for now, for as much as we are together to be this person, mm. these things, because you don't know. Like people live in fantasy land and they're like, oh, in 30 years, I'll wipe your ass. What bullshit is that? Because I'll tell you this. I love you enough now to do that. But if in, if, if something happens between us, which we don't know, because God, nobody knows. Right. Your decision is always a conscious one to try and make it work. The other thing is people are living so long. Like the institution of marriage was like created when people died at 75. Right. You could get divorced at 50 and then have another 30 year marriage. I am with you. My boyfriend is 48 years old. 
he did have serious relationships previously that didn't end up in marriage. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I get nervous around that too, even now, like whether 25 or 31, my values were still the same at 25. I still wanted love, but I thought it looked different. And as I started mm. to grow and date people, I'm like, wait, I'm wrong. And this is what you're going through right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do actually value in love. Okay. Sure. He's got money or sure. He's got, you know, I don't know, great hair, but you know, what is it at? Do I actually yeah. value love? You're always learning. And I, I will tell you that everything in life is temporary. Yeah. So the whole institution of marriage really rocks me too. Marriage is just a decision to, and a choice. It's not a, um, it's based on falsity. And that's what kills me because as such a spiritual person, I know that life is so temporary. We are mm. here for a very small amount of time in the aspect of the universe, very small time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I know is eternal is love. Mm-hmm. And what you can do a vow on, if you ever do decide to be in a relationship and get married, is I vow to love you and to work on this the best that I can. Mm. The rest, yeah. I don't know. the rest, I don't know. So I hate the bullshit. <laughs> so I hate the whole like, oh my god, I just knew that we're gonna be together forever. It's like I hope you are. I hope I am too. All right. But I hope first and foremost, I'm happy. Right. So it'll change. I think you may meet somebody anytime soon. That's great, and you grow with it. Yeah. You know, and there are people that meet at 20 and are married till they're 75. They, sure. they grow together. There's no wrong relationship. It's about like how you grow in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. What are your thoughts on having doubts in relationships? Like doubts if they're your person or like you want to be in this. The logical answer is like, oh, just take it day by day. Like if you like it today, like sure. But like you don't feel that way. Like you don't feel like if you have doubts about a person, you're like, okay, maybe I just have doubts today. Like I'm having a good time today. You know what I'm saying? Doubt is very normal in relationships. I have doubt every day. Not just not about George. I have doubt like I also have, you know, for me, I will I have anxiety when you have an anxious mind, which it seems like you also can kind of go down that road. Yeah. Um, you, when you, you feel like you're in the right relationship, at least for the time being, you feel a sense of calmness. You're not being constantly triggered. Mm. Um, you're going to have moments of doubt because especially if you're a highly sensitive person and a lot of people in our day and age are because the souls that are incarnating now are a little more awake to begin with. They'll take anything and wonder if, oh, is this something wrong with our relationship? Is he the right person? Mm. That we also call that what we call relationship anxiety. There's a specific name for that, which I struggle with because my anxiety, anytime I have something in my life that feels off, I'm like, is it because of my relationship? And it's nothing to do with George. <laughs> it's like nothing to do with him. But what's your, again, your life will trigger a fear that already exists. Mine is fear of loss. Mm. Who I value the most about losing my relationship, who I love, mm-hmm. my family, my friends, George. Mm. So doubt is normal, but doubt is just kind of like um, a messenger, just like anxiety is just a messenger. Mm-hmm. It's not saying there's actually something wrong with what you're thinking or what happened. It's it's deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's a it's, it's it's finding a fear that's much deeper than that. This is also like yeah, Jungian psychology. You should look into it. One more time, Jungian. Jungian psychology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carl Jung, who he talked about how the subconscious and its psychology, but it's more so that it's not just a fear. Like, oh, I have a fear of dogs. Why do you have a fear of dogs? Mm. I'm afraid of dying. If a dog bites me, if a dog attacks me, I'm afraid of yeah. dying. That's the real fear. The dog is just kind of the messenger, right? You're like, I have this fear of dogs. Why? Fear of dying. Yeah. Yeah. I also have relationship anxiety. I have never 
been in a relationship where I'm happier in the relationship than I am single. And like, I have had moments in relationships where I feel like euphoric and everything feels wonderful and everything feels great. And I've been like really long-term relationships. And like, I've had like months at a time where I'm like, wow, this is awesome. But I'd say like in the grand periods of those lives, like if I look at two years of being in a relationship and two years of being single, largely much happier single. And part of that is like, I have like very incessant doubts in relationships. So while you were talking about doubt, I was like, hmm, what, what is my deep fear? And I don't know what it is. I have to figure it out, but that's definitely something to think about. We, we will, we can go through it, but here, and I will tell you as somebody who has the relationship anxiety and who has suffered through this with everything, you need to stop looking at a relationship as something that's going to make you happy. We all need to relationships don't make us happy. Relationships are fucking work. Mm. They make us happy some of the time and they make us not they make us unhappy. Like you want to feel you want to be with somebody who makes you feel content. Content is a good word. Yeah. Being like I'm good with you, you add to my life. Who adds to your life? Mm-hmm. That's the best way. And is this and I love this cuz I love Cheryl um Cheryl Paul. She teaches about relationship anxiety and I love what she says cuz I'm going to give her all the credit for this. Is that she says that can I learn love with this person? Because we're always going to have doubts, but I can bet you a million mm. bucks. It's less about the person, honey, as it is more about like your own fears. Yeah, probably. And it's funny you say that because my best friend got married super young, still very much like in love with her husband. And she was saying marriage is the hardest thing. She said the same thing. She's like, well, a marriage isn't supposed to make you happy. And like what we have debated before is then why would I put that much responsibility on me? If it doesn't make me happy, (laughs) that's always my thing. I'm like, it's so much work. It's so much responsibility. Like, why would I do all of that to be less happy than I am now? It's not like I am really happy with George though. And I'm happy with my relationships. But like, for example, you have to figure out, like, I get, that's a great point. It's the same thing with kids. We're like, well, why would I have kids? It's just going to add more, you know, because there's fulfillment in that. It's not about Mm -hmm. like, I've learned a lot about myself dating George, you know, I've learned a lot about him. Um, I love spending time with him. You know, some days I don't want to spend time with anybody, but it's not about George, it's about you. So I think you need to kind of figure out what part of this is a you issue and what part of this is the men you're attracting issue. Listen, it doesn't mean you have to be in a committal relationship. It could mean that for you, relationships right now are just an added experience. They aren't necessarily what you're really ready for because I will tell you, it took me time to come to this place of like, okay, like, wow, I'm going to commit to somebody and we're going to get a house together and we're going to have these kids together. And there's a part of me though that's excited about the challenge, not just afraid, but also excited. They're from yeah. the same world, you know? And what is life if we don't evolve? Thank you for spending so much time with me today. I'm just realizing the time. This was so much fun. So like, I really appreciate it. No, me too. It was great. I'm so glad. I just, you remind me so much of myself when I was younger. So, so fun. <laughs> I'm looking at myself. So continue. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy because you're obviously doing great and you seem very happy and beautiful. So like, uh, that makes you really happy to hear. Yeah, you'll be great. You're, but you're on the track. You're, you're facing the right direction. So you're fine. Thank you. So. This podcast is all about celebrating the lows just as much as the highs in our lives. Can you tell me about a struggle in your life that sucked while you were going through it, but looking back now, you cherish it? What did that struggle give you that you celebrate today? Mm-hmm. Man, so many. All right. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. So this was when I was going actually through my spiritual awakening and I was sleeping with somebody who had a girlfriend and I'll share about this because that girlfriend now we're very close friends, believe it or not. And, um, at the time I was really like not in a good place emotionally. I was, you know, I was fired from my first job. I was really upset about it. It wasn't because I wasn't a good employee. It was because me and my boss could not see eye to eye. And now I think back, it was actually like all of it that he added to that because he, I think about him sometimes even now because he um, taught me who I was. He kept saying, T, you're not meant to be doing this. You're meant to help people. Like you should not be here. And I would like take it as you, like, this is a great job. I'm making great money. What are you talking about? I, the ego came right in. Sure. Time I met that guy that I started sleeping with and um, it was just a really tumultuous time. I mean, I didn't want to be with him. I just was like so drawn to him. So that's a concept of the soulmates that I talk about. And um, now I look back and I'm very grateful for that time because he led me into my spirituality. He led me to my friend who was the one that recommended my acupuncturist and my astrologer that I saw and that like kind of, she like led me into the community. And then like my old boss who like, I hated at the time who really made me feel like such, shit. I mean, I, I, my self-esteem was to nothing at that point. And after I got fired, I would drive by that location. I would still get anxiety. Like that's how much it was triggering for me. But I'm very grateful because he did teach me a lot of things about me as a worker and about life in general. And he saw me as who I was, even when I didn't see myself. I remember him telling me, I'll never forget the place and the time. And he's like, Tia, you are meant to help people. Maybe like work for a nonprofit. Like, and I looked at him, I was It's so interesting that he was able to like catch that in like a professional setting. Like, I feel like it's hard to bring like your true self to work. So that's so interesting that he caught that and shared it. He did. He straight up. Well, because I think we were just like, he, he just knew that I wasn't able to do the job. Like the, mm. I was able to do the social part of the job, but the other part of the job where it was like very like logical and like just very tedious work, very, very tedious. It was just hard for me. And so, mm-hmm. um, and also I think we kind of competed a little bit. He tried to compete with me because everybody loved me on the sales. So everybody loved me. My company, mm. like, they love, love, love. Well, yeah, of course. I'm not saying that because I but like because I was good to them. I was good to the people, you know. No, you have a good energy. Like I, I, I get that. Thank you. No, so I was just like there for the people and anything they need. I was like on top of it. But then when it came to like the tedious things, and I, I just wasn't like him in that way, you know. So, um, yeah. So I think back to that time, the lowest, and now is one of the like best things that actually happened to me. Me getting laid off was best thing that happened to me. Um. Yeah, me going through that relationship with that guy that was fucked up, totally good thing. Made me meet my friend now and we're really close. And, you know, all those things exposed me in, in some way. The things that were really hard for me actually exposed me and made me more vulnerable. And I think for it now, like it's, yeah, it all worked out. I'm actually really excited to ask you this next question because I feel like you're going to have a super interesting answer to it. How have you worked to change how you perceive the world around you and how have you worked to change your thoughts and beliefs into ones that serve you and create a world that you want to live in? This question is at the core of this podcast, challenging your beliefs and challenging the thoughts that come into your head by default. Okay. This is interesting. I have never been able to live without being exactly as I am. Meaning I think most Mm. people can convince themselves their thoughts can convince themselves to like blend in with the reality of life. I completely rebel. Like I always have. And I, it's not because I was trying to rebel. It was because I just, 
I live differently to begin with. Even when I wasn't doing this work, I was already kind of, I went to my own tune. I didn't care. I remember like my, my bosses, I just be like, I know you think this is right, but I'm not going to do it. So that is so bold. I love but, it. <laughs> but it, not because I was being combative, but because if I see something and I believe it to be the truth, I cannot act out of integrity. It is really hard for me. Sure. It's way easier for people to just like listen and just go along. And for years at a time, like I have friends who've been with bosses that are shitheads. Not okay. And so I think also like mentally, like I had to train myself in this way, especially with relationships for me. Like, um, you know, what I need to, what I think I should be with, who I should be with, um, how I think my life should look, but doesn't I'm Greek. So, you know, should I go move to that expensive suburb that all the families moved into and have that picket fence? And I struggle with it. I mean, till this day, me and George are looking at houses and I'm like, no, like Mm -hmm. I am not like, I know so much of who I am that anything that kind of attacks it makes me feel like I feel it's a full on no. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, again, I think the same thing with the thoughts and the beliefs. It's like, I don't want to believe something because it makes sense to other people. It needs to make sense to me. Mm. So, and that's why I also encourage my, my friends, my family, my clients. I'm like, dude, wh- what truth is that? Who gave you that truth? Is it a yeah. truth or is it what you think is the truth? Um, I struggled with this, especially around money. Hmm. because I used to overvalue money a lot because that's how I grew up. Like, yeah, I got a good job. Like there was a lot of scarcity mentality. Are your, are your parents immigrants? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. that'll. So you're like, okay. And now that they ever said that directly, but it was just the way that we functioned, you know? Yeah. So I had to reframe my, my, my mind around money and what was driving me. Like for me, I've always been driven towards, um, success in a sense of like, I'm doing a great job and I'm known for doing it. Like, that's what I want. I want to be known for the work I do. Oh my gosh. We are the same person. Yeah. I just want to be known for it. Right. Okay. So then the money like dropped away and the universe taught me the lesson in a hard way because I kept getting laid off. I got laid off three times at a time I was 27. The universe kept giving me the hint, like not for you, not for you, not for you. And not because it was me. It was like the company would like take away the position. Sure. Okay, cool. And I just accepted it because I was like, it was funny when they would lay me off. I wasn't sad. People were like, aren't you so afraid and upset? I'm like, no. Yeah. The next. Level, I think I knew that like I was trying yeah. to fit myself into the thoughts in the box that was, you know, whatever. Not for you. Not for me. Um, now I just want to inspire people to continue to be who they are. And I think that the universe had to give me the hard lessons early on so I could do this. Because otherwise... I would not know how to relate to people. I would not know. I mean, I don't know. And I wouldn't have realized it for myself. So that's, I mean, my world looks different. I'm very idealistic. I don't believe in half the things the way that I like the most people believe. And I don't, um, for example, like, I don't think money is the most important to me. Money is truly a a tool just for generosity. I tell the Mm. universe every day, the more you give me, the more I'll give back. That's my deal with the universe. The more you give me, the more I'll give back. That is That's my a good deal. deal. It's my deal. I want to be wealthy so I can give it back. I don't think mm. of wealth so I can have a BMW. Like, I don't give a shit. Sure. I think of wealth as simply as a means to better the world. Like, I, then I, that's how I want to leave it. That's beautiful. Period. And I think most people have some more of this idealism, but they forget it along the road. 
then it just becomes about them and their money gain and money hungry. It, it's very easy to get off track. It's very easy to lose it and go into that world. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to catch yourself. Why am I working so hard? Why do you work 14 hours a day for sake? What are you working for? Oh, what? definitely validation. Like I, I already know I've thought I've asked myself this question a hundred times, the external validation I get from my boss bait of a promotion on the horizon. And just to be like, I got promoted so fast. Like I know what I do it for. This is the final question. Tell me the story that you've created for yourself. Oh, I love that question. It's so fun. Story I've created for myself. Jesus. I know these last three are heavy hitters. This one is more heavy than the other two for me, but this one is the story I create for myself is all based in adventure. Like life to me is one big adventure. That's how I look at it. And the story I have is that I'm here to do the work and I want to grow myself and grow the people around me. And I want to live courageously and with fear, but still doing it. That's what courage is. It's not without fear because I'm not fearless. That's for sure. Um, and I want people to remember their truths when they think about me. Mm. That's you so know? beautiful. That's what I want. That's my story. That's yeah. Period. And now I'm working on my books and I want to do speaking engagements and then work with people in a bigger way. Cause I love doing the one-on-one that's, I love it, but I, I don't get as, I don't, I'm not able to reach as many people. So yeah. Yeah. So my story is that my story is that I always say, if I can leave you better than I found you, I did my job. That's awesome. That's so awesome. That's story. Yeah. And is there anything, so you mentioned you're writing books. Is there anything else you want to plug or anything you want, like my listeners to know anything to leave them with other than the hundreds of little knowledge nuggets that you've dropped through <laughs> our entire conversation? You're like, I know I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what else I can say. Um, uh, nothing right now. I'm looking to do more speaking and more workshop stuff for companies, okay. organizations to help their people. I've done it before. I keep doing it, but I'd like more, um, to help groups so they can understand themselves, especially through human design. Cause it's a very practical tool. Um, and I, I'm writing my books and yeah, we'll see what keeps coming. I have my Instagram at TRS official and my website at TRS.com. I will um, link both of those in the description of this episode. Nice. And, um, that's it. Okay. Perfect. Yes. If any of you listening want to keep up with Tia, I'll link both of those in the description and Tia, thank you for coming on. This is so much fun. (laughs) fun. Thank you for having me, cutie. I love it. It was so fun. And yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about you. I have a hard time talking about me. You're absolutely right about that. I wonder why that is. I'm going to have to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) 